First of all, I want to apologise for last week not having this show ready. Unfortunately, I'd received a bit of bad news regarding one of my old friends. I won't go into the details about it, but it just basically floored me a little bit. And I wasn't really in the right frame of mind to sit down and do editing, so I do apologise for that. Hopefully we'll be back on track from now on in. Welcome to another Tabletop Ramble, your base for all tabletop gaming. I'm your host, Jacko. On this week's show, we are taking a look at the best games of the Euros. We are doing a special that is looking on the football tournament and what games are best going to represent each country. But before that, here's this week's Tabletop Gaming News. Dead Men Tell No Tales is returning for a reprint. Renegade Game Studio has announced that pre-orders are going to be open for a reprint of the game that was originally designed by Kane Klenko, which was first published in 2015. The game for two to four players is cooperative and is set in a world where pirates are trying to liberate treasure that is on a boat that is set ablaze. As you're running in and out, you're rolling dice and you're watching the flames spread and you need to get out with as much booty before the whole ship burns to the ground. You need to be careful though, as longer you stay on board, the worse the fire is going to spread. This was originally published by Minion Games and unfortunately the founder James Math passed away in June 2019. Math also co-founded Drive Through Print On Demand model and has since become extremely popular with a variety of tabletop users, especially RPG players. Renegade have said that it will not be touching the rules for the base game, instead focusing its resources on updating the artwork, tokens and ship pieces. Senior producer Dan Bukowski said that reprints will also slightly change the shape of the box to a larger square. They're going to include seven miniatures that are there to replace the skull meeples that were used to represent the players as you were looking through the pirate ship. This is a really good cooperative game and one I thoroughly enjoy. It really does have a push your luck element to it as the uh, ship's setting fire and collapsing all around you. Really good cooperative game this and it works just as well with Solo as well. So pre-orders are open now with a planned release to retail in October later this year. Exploding Kittens is having a crossover with Despicable Me's Minions. In this new version of the party game, it is exactly what you think it is. Exploding Minions is going to be using the Russian Roulette style gameplay which sees players drawing cards and looking to try to blow up your opponents. 
and in doing so being the last minion standing. So if you're unaware of how exploding kittens play, there's a central deck that you'll be able to draw a card from and what you're hoping is it's not going to be the explosion. There are some effects that are going to save you and so this will enable you to put the bomb back into the deck. I can really see the minions theme working really well in this game. I think this is going to be a major hit. The original Exploding Kittens launched on Kickstarter in 2015 and it raised more than $8.7 million. You'll be able to buy Exploding Minions for £15 or $20 and this is available to buy via the Exploding Kittens online web store. Or if you're in the US, you'll also be able to pick this up in Target and should be arriving in Walmart later this summer. Hot on the heels of Drax, Nebula is coming out soon for Marvel Champions, the card game. So Nebula is going to be joining her sister Gamora, who is a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. The cybernetic killing machine, Nebula, who is also the adopted daughter of Thanos, is going to become available in a hero pack. Nebula is a cyborg that was created to do Thanos' bidding, but Nebula eventually broke free of her abusive captor in order to become a space pirate. However, when Thanos began his campaign of galactic domination, Nebula became a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy in order to thwart his scheme. Nebula is definitely one of the what you would consider an anti-hero stroke villain, but when it comes to the Marvel Champions card game, she is definitely going to become one of the heroes. At the moment there is no release date announced, but we believe the price will be $14.95 or £10. Anybody hankering for some 90s nostalgia, then WizKids might have something for you. They are publishing a DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Summertime game. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Summertime is a quick card game inspired by the award-winning 1991 song that was released alongside the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In the tabletop game, players are invited to sit back and unwind with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince at the spot. However, an afternoon of relaxing and dancing is interrupted when the players are challenged to prove whether they are worthy of joining the rapper's crew. In the game, two to four players take in turns to play cards in order to gather the most cool points possible. DJ Jezza Jeff and the Fresh Prince Summertime was co-created by Omari Akil and Hamu Dennis, who have both previously worked together on Rap Gods and Hoop Gods, with Akil designing the two games and Dennis creating the artwork. WizKids is publishing this. We can expect to see this release pretty soon with a retail price of £14 or $19.99. So as you may or may not know, there is a little football tournament going on across Europe called Euro 2020. And this has been delayed by a year because of a certain little COVID incident, but still they have managed to get it underway. Now before you switch off, this is still going to be very much ball game related. We're using the football tournament as a basis to pick out the games that we're going to talk about. We are going to try to find the best game to represent the country taking part in the football tournament. 
we'll be taking a look at the publishers that are within the country, as well as the game designers and the theme of the games themselves. There is also going to be a bit of a competition involved in this, and I'll give the details of this later on in the show. For now, what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at the first two groups, so Group A and Group B, and we'll crack on with the first eight games. Hope you enjoy. So the first country we're going to look at in Group A is Italy. Now finding a game to represent Italy is actually a little bit on the tough side purely because Italy have put a lot of work in when it comes to board games. If I was to mention just some of the designers, you have got the likes of Roberto De Meglio, Marco Maggi and Francesco Nepetilio. They are the guys responsible for the War of the Ring. You've also got Simone Luciani and Daniel Tashini, who done the Tolkien uh, Mayan calendar. Simone Luciani also got involved with Tommaso Battista to bring us Barrage. And a lot of these designers come up time and time again. I'm just looking at a few of the titles. We've got Voyages of Marco Polo. You've got the Tio... Oh, here we go. The Tio... The Tio... The Tio Tuchan, uh, City of the Gods. You've got Grand Austria Hotel. You've got Lorenzo El Magnifico. Coimbra by Flamini, Brasini and Virginio Gigli. Paolo Mori also done Ethnos. Gabriel Mari and Gianluca Santiopetro done Letters of Whitechapel. You've got Sword and Sorcery. You've got so many great games. Kingsburg. Libertalia also by Paolo Mari. And one of my favourites, Potion Explosion by Stefano Castelli, Andrea Crespi and Lorenzo Silva. I could keep going and going and going. The Italians have come at this with such strong power, similar to how their uh, football prowess is, in all fairness. You know, these have got real strong links here. But I could only pick one to represent Italy. And the one that I actually went for is going to be Pandemic Fall of Rome. So I went for Pandemic Fall of Rome for a couple of reasons. First of all, it is a great game. Second of all, not only was it designed by Matt Laycock, but also Paolo Mori. So this game does have a lot of similarities to Pandemic, where it's a co-op game and you are trying to put out various fires on a map. This one is set predominantly in Italy, although it is spilling out to neighbouring parts of Europe. In this game, you are reenacting the uh, Roman Empire and fighting against all these different barbarian tribes. So you'll be coming up against the Anglo-Saxons, the Goths, the Vandals and the Huns. As you're marching the Roman Empire across the globe trying to take over, you have to try to recruit armies, fortify cities and forge alliances and fight off against invading hordes in battle. All the while, you're still trying to stop invaders taking over Rome. You'll be doing this by trying to make peace with neighbouring tribes. Players must collect sets of matching coloured cards to try and form allegiances. This will enable you to try to convert the other members of that tribe into Roman soldiers, making your forces even stronger. 
you'll be able to take on the unique roles with special abilities that are going to improve your team's chances to protect against the invaders. So you'll have to work together and use your skills wisely to try to stop the fall of Rome. Pandemic Fall of Rome works wonderfully as a solo game and I play quite a bit of this during lockdown and it is a game that I really did enjoy playing. As I said it is a cooperative game and you can play it to up to 5 players. Game time is around about 45-60 to 60 minutes long and you can play it as young as 8 years old as I did try playing it with my youngster. They will need a hand holding on this though I must admit. So trying to find a game to represent Switzerland. So this one was slightly tougher, but I still think we found a good one. Initially, I was actually going to pick Chocolate Factory, as thematically that seems to sit very well. Then I had done a bit of digging and I did find a couple of Swiss publishers. There is a company called Rule Factory, which make a nice card game called Frantic, and they are based in St. Gallen in Switzerland. There's also a company called Helver League. So Helver League are based in Basel. And they've got a few good titles themselves. They've got Team Up. They've also got a game designer called Mikael Bauman. Who with Helver League. He designed a game called Stacker. Which is one of these wooden dexterity stacking games. But the one that I think is probably going to be the most popular, although the theme doesn't quite sit, because it is probably the biggest game to come out of Switzerland, we are going with Bandido. Just in case you're wondering, well, that sounds more Mexican than it does Swiss, you're absolutely spot on thematically wise, but the game is made by the aforementioned Helfetigue. So in Bandido, you are trying to capture a prisoner that is escaping from his prison cell. He's doing this through a network of tunnels. What you will be doing, you'll be laying down these tiles that are roughly the equivalent of, say, two carcassonne tiles next to each other. And as you're laying these down, you are trying to block his path up by using dead ends or trying to get the uh, tunnel to cycle back onto itself, creating a loop so that you're trying to finish off all of these possible pathways. You can't just put an edge of a card to block off a pathway. You actually have to have a pathway that will link onto it. So it's not just as easy as just blocking off. It actually has to have a dead end on the card to lead in down there. It's a real nice little game. It plays for one to four players. And it can get quite tricky. You're not going to win this one every time. But it's good fun as you're trying to think, oh, well, you've got him cornered, got him cornered. But the next tile you pull out, it splits off and it gives you more options to escape from. This is such a simple game. It comes in a tiny box as well when the artwork is very simplistic, but still appealing. It uh, plays for one to four players. Should only take you about 10 to 15 minutes to play. And as I said, it is such a simple game, and the youngsters as young as probably five or six would be able to play this one quite easily, I would say. So Bandido is going to be representing Switzerland. <laughs> Next in Group A, we have got Turkey. Now, I know the obvious one, and you're probably screaming at me already, but hold your horses, because we'll get on to that. Because I did want to do a bit of research rather than just go for the obvious one. So, 
After a little bit of research, I did find that there are a couple of uh, Turkish game designers out there. So I did want to give a quick mention to Arif Nasir Savi, who has been quite prolific of lately. He's, he's come up with 11 games since 2019. So he's quite a new up-and-coming designer, one I think be well worthwhile keeping your eyes out on. You've also got Murat Salibi, whose biggest hit game is probably Crossmaster Arena. This is a player versus player tactical card game, but the art style on this is absolutely gorgeous and it comes with these little almost chibi-like minis. If you like your battle games, this one does really look visually stunning and plays really well. It's for two to four players. I would probably say it's best for two players though, I must admit. And it takes between 45 to an hour to play and it's recommended for 14 plus. But the one that is going to be representing Turkey can only be one and I'm sure that you're all probably been screaming at, and it is the obvious Istanbul. So Istanbul is set in the Grand Bazaar where you're going to have merchants and their assistants that are going to be rushing through the narrow alleys in an attempt to be more successful than their competitors. You'll be looking to lead a group of one merchant and four assistants through 16 locations that are in this bazaar. And when I say bazaar, I mean a marketplace, not something that's strange. So each of these locations allow you to do a certain type of action. It's not as simple as it might seem though. To take an action, you've got to move your merchant and one of the assistants there. You'll then leave that assistant behind and then you can move on to a different place with your merchant. Problem is, if you want to use that assistant again, your merchant has to go back and pick him up. So all the time you're trying to plan ahead because what you don't want to be, you don't want to be left with no assistance because that will mean you won't be able to do anything. So some of these actions might include filling a wheelbarrow with a certain type of goods. Or you might want to buy some rubies or trade some goods for some rubies. You can also sell combinations of foods that will enable you to make more money. Maybe you want to increase the size of your wheelbarrow. Or you could even get special abilities. Once one of the players has collected five rubies in his wheelbarrow, players are going to complete the round and then it will come to an end. If he's the only person to have five rubies, then he's going to win. Otherwise, the tie is going to be broken down by the amount of money that they have. It plays for 2-5 to five players, should take between 40-60 to 60 minutes to play and is recommended for ages 10 years plus. It was published in 2014, most likely by either Pegasus Spiel or AEG and was designed by Rüdiger Dorn. It's got some really cool mechanisms in it including contracts, dice rolling, grid movement, there's modular boards, there's pick up and deliver and you've got worker placement so there's a lot going on in this whilst not being overly complicated. This one is seeming to become one of the sort of modern classics, I must admit, as uh, it seems to be a bit of a staple, and, and it's definitely a game that I recommend you trying. And now we're arriving at the last team in Group A, and that is our noisy neighbours, Wales. And... Come on, Wales, I'm a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you. I thought you'd have quite a rich history and uh, lots to offer. But I really did struggle to find anything really worthwhile to mention. Um, I know I'm going to get crucified here. But yeah, Wales, you got to do better. But on my hunt, 
I did manage to find a guy called Adam Porter. Now, Adam is actually English, but he lives in Cardiff and he definitely associates as being as Welsh. He's even got his own YouTube channel called Adam's Ball Game Wales. So I think he's definitely shown where his allegiance lies. So now Adam, to be fair, has got some great, including the likes of Doodle Rush, Compromat and Picoco. So Doodle Rush is a fast drawing game and Picoco, which is a card game where you're fanning your cards like the way that a peacock would have their feathers. Really good game. I thoroughly enjoyed that, I must admit. When it comes to selecting the game, I did have a little bit of trouble though, I must admit. Now, there was quite a few that sort of, uh, how do you put it, they, they come under being British. You had things like Britannia or The King is Dead, which Wales are definitely in there, but I wanted something that was solely yours. And there is one that was out there, you can't argue, it is Welsh. It's probably one of the biggest things in Wales, and in fact it's one of the biggest things in the UK, and that is Snowdonia. Now, Snowdonia is a fantastic game. It's for 1-5 to five players, normally takes between 30 to 90 minutes to play, and is recommended for ages 10 years plus. So, Snowdonia, for anybody who is unaware, it's the highest peak that is in Wales, and it stands 1,085 metres tall, and it's a beautiful part of the country as well, and I'm quite glad to say that I have got to the summit of that one. People that live in the Alps and uh, Himalayas are probably thinking, uh, is that really a mountain at just over a thousand metres tall? But yeah, it is. It is definitely a mountain and we're very proud of it in the UK. Anyway, so in the game, the year is based in 1894 and the Snowdon Mountain Tram Road and the Hotels Company have been formed to build a branch line from Lamberis, which is the little village town that's uh, at the bottom, all the way to the summit. In Snowdonia, players represent the work gangs that provide in labour for the construction of the Snowdon Mountain Railway. But because this is on the mountain, it's going to be different to other normal train connecting games, as you'll have to excavate and dig your way up the mountainside as well as laying the track, of course. You'll also need to make things like viaducts and stations along the way. Now, being a mountain, you do have to contend with the weather, and being in the UK, the weather is not always great. In the game, you'll be drafting cards and trying to manage these to try and give you certain actions that allow you to lay the pieces that you require. And you have these little miniature workers that will be our place on the board to enable you to construct different actions. It's a really good game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Snowdonia was designed by Tony Boydell and is published by Lookout Games. So much like the Welsh team, you know, they, they might not have a lot of offer, but when it comes to having a couple of key players like Gareth Bale, they are pure class. Now, I don't want to upset my neighbours because I do actually think that Wales is a beautiful country. I've been there lots of times and I do really like it there. And I do apologise if I have forgotten anyone. I just haven't been able to find you. So by all means, get in contact with me and I will give you a free plug because I do feel a little bit guilty about ripping on Wales in such a fashion. <laughs> 
So we head into Group B, and the first team we're going to take a look at is the side that's currently ranked number one in the world. It is Belgium. So how is Belgium going to stack up? Just like its footballing counterpart, which can boast probably the most intelligent footballer in the world in regards to Kevin De Bruyne, the ball gaming can probably boast the same in Chris Byrne. So Chris Byrne, he has taken the abstract series to a whole new level when he produced the GIF project. So the GIF project produced games such as GIF, Link, Punkt, Devona, Tsar, Zertz, and one of my personal favourites, Yinch. And I spoke about Yinch in the previous episode, as this was a game I thought was closest resembled a modern day equivalent of Othello. All of these games have taken the abstract series and given them real modern twists, and they look absolutely beautiful. So initially these were a part of the Donco, which was a Belgian publisher, but these are now produced by Huck. Chris Berm is not the only major board game designer from Belgium. They also have Sebastian Dujardin, who is a designer and the manager of Pearl Games. He's designed games such as Deus and Selenia, and was also a co-designer along with Alan Orban and Xavier Georges in producing, and now I'll never know if this was pronouncing Trois or Troyes, but they done that as well as the excellent Black Angel. Pearl Games also published Ginkopolis, Brussels 1893, The Bloody Inn and Time of Empires. Xavier Georges also designed Carnegie and the excellent Carson City and Alan Orben also designed Hippocrates. That's not all though, they also have Philippe Kayetz who designed Vinci Evo and one of the games that got me into this hobby, Small World. And let's not forget Frederick Moyerson, who designed Nuns on the Run and another favourite of mine, Saboteur. But when it comes to trying to find a game that I thought represented Belgium the best, there were literally hundreds of war games that were based around the likes of uh, Battle of the Bulge, uh, lots of World War II and of course Battle of Waterloo as well. Now, I didn't really want to pick one of them because I wanted to go for a more Euro-style type board game. Although, I would like to give you a bit of a heads up for something that might be worthwhile keeping your eyes out for. Which is 1815, Scum of the Earth, the Battle of Waterloo card game. Now, the reason why I'm picking this out is that this is kind of... I don't know if a follow-up is the right word, but it's in the same series as the 1066 Tears to Many Mothers card game. Which has proven to be a big hit. Anyway, the game that I'm picking to represent Belgium is Bruges. So Bruges is based in the 15th century and is designed by Stefan Feld. It plays for 2-4 to four players, should take about an hour to play and is recommended for ages 10 years plus. In Bruges, players assume the role of merchants who must maintain their relationship with the people that are in power of the city, whilst doing their best to compete against one another for influence, power and status. In the game, there are going to be different events that are going to have an impact on the player's wealth rather than just from the opponents. The game has 165 different character cards with each one having one of five colours. On a turn, a player is going to choose one of these cards and perform an action. With six different actions being available, you can take workers, take money, 
you can mitigate a threat, you can build a canal, you can hire a character that's depicted on the card, or you can build a house. In principle, every card can be used for every action, but the colour of the card determines in which areas the actions can be used, or the strength of the chosen action. So for example, blue cards provide blue workers, and red cards help mitigate red threats. All the action is geared toward the gathering of prestige, and the most prestigious merchant will win the game in the end. This game has received many great reviews over the years. It was originally published in 2013 and is for 2-4 players. Should take about an hour of play and is recommended for ages 10 years plus. <laughs> Next in Group B is Denmark. Before I talk about Denmark, I feel it's only right that I should send my best wishes to Christian Eriksson and his family as he is recovering from quite a horrific ordeal that actually happened during the football game. Basically, what happened was, while he was playing against Finland, he actually had a cardiac arrest on the pitch. It was quite horrific scenes, to be honest with you, but I'm really pleased to announce that the medical team reacted really well. I was able to get him resuscitated through CPR and a defib, and he's now on the road to recovery, but still uh, would like to wish uh, Christian Eriksson and uh, indeed his teammates and friends and family all the best, because it must have been quite an ordeal for them. But anyway, let's get back to the board games. So, to start off with, we'll probably mention one of their most prolific designers called Martin Niedergaard Anderson, who has about 100 titles to his name. These include the likes of Bandido, Bandida, Hippo and Escape from the Asylum. There is a publisher that are called DBG, which is Danish board games, that is run by Peter Anderson. There's also designer Daniel Skjold Pedersen, alongside Asker Harding Granyard, that got together to produce Psychic Games. Among their library games you can find the 13 series, which are 13 days, 13 hours and 13 minutes, which are all based around the Cold War. They've also produced brilliant titles such as Flamme Rouge, Copenhagen and Deep Blue. Now, I was very tempted to offer Copenhagen as being the Danish representative um, of this tournament, but I think, in a funny way, there is a game that's probably more Danish than that in Clask. Now, Clask is another game that I mentioned briefly, and this was my replacement game for Hungry Hungry Hippos. In that, I mentioned a four-player version. This is just going to be the two-player version, it's designed by Mikael Bertelsen and is a brilliant game that's almost akin to something like table football. If you didn't hear the previous episode and you can't bother to go back, I'll give you a brief outline of what you have. In Clask, there is a ball that is set on a wooden table with two holes. These holes are the goals. The idea is that with your wooden gaming piece, you are trying to hit the ball into your opponent's goal. You control this marker by holding a magnet that is underneath the board so you're trying to flick this ball into your opponent's goal it's not quite as simple as that though as also on top of the table there are these three little white magnets that are obstacles if one of these white magnetic pieces stick to your own gaming piece the game's going to continue but if two of the white magnetic pieces stick to the gaming piece then your opponent is going to score a point this is just a fast frantic game that is fun for all the players 
over its time it's won multiple awards and being a sports related game and very Danish it seemed to be an ideal representative for Denmark <laughs> the next team in group B is not going to be a surprise because I just mentioned him a second ago is going to be Finland now I did worry I didn't know how much board game related stuff I'd be actually able to find for Finland I was actually pleasantly surprised there is a publisher called Lauterpili and these produce some brilliant games that include Shikoku, Kaiyushu, Agemonia, Silk Road, Hokkaido, Byzance and Mule, just to name a few. There's a game designer called Yuha Salmayavi who has his own company called Revision Games and probably their best title is Iron Sky. Another game designer they have is Petri Savola who designed Kyoto Protocol uh, which is a guard game about energy production and pollution. Finland can also boast another great designer, and I do apologise because I'm going to probably pronounce this totally wrong, but Tuko, Tuka Tarko Kalio, who designed the brilliant Eclipse, Walnut Grove and Enigma. Or maybe you prefer Kerr Yarnaton's work, who done Space Freaks. Or Max Wilkstrom, who done Ocean Drive and Realm of Wonder. They have a lot of great game designers. Probably one of their most popular within Finland, though, will have to be Kari Manala. So Kari Manala done a game called African Tati. African Tati, or also known as The Missing Diamond, is probably one of the most important board games, not only in Finland, but for most Nordic countries. It's been around for decades. Kari first designed this in 1949 when he was only 19 years old and was published in 1951. Initially when the game was published it was through a book publishing company called Tilgman and he was only given a modest compensation for 10,000 printed copies which he reluctantly accepted but he did say that if any would get reprinted then uh, he would renegotiate. And the publisher didn't see really a problem with this because they didn't think board games would be that popular and didn't think that they would have to print any more. The following year, another 10,000 were needed to be printed. And after that, every year, more and more, within seven years, over 100,000 games were sold, which was a record. African Tahiti has remained one of the most sold products in Finland for 65 years. During this time, it's been translated into over 16 different languages. In Finland alone, over 2 million copies have been sold, and more than double that in the rest of Nordic countries. So the game is a race between all the different players. The board covers the continent of Africa, with various major cities such as Cairo and Tangiers marked on the map. The game uses dice and play money, also included are variety of tokens, including one for each city, gemstones, robbers, horseshoes and the Star of Africa itself. Players start in either Cairo or Tangier and start exploring Africa to try to find gems. The main objective is to find the legendary giant diamond which is the Star of Africa. However when you're flipping over tokens players cannot know what they will find. You might find nothing at all, some lesser gemstones or even a robber that is looking to steal your money. When someone does find the Star of Africa, a race begins. The player with the diamond tries to deliver it back to Cairo or Tangier. The other players try to find a horseshoe, a token 
discarded with no value before, but is now a key to victory. The winner is the player who reaches Cairo or Tangier first, carrying either the diamonds or the horseshoe. The game is based for 2-5 to five players, should take about 45 minutes to play, and is recommended for ages 6 year plus. So if you used to talk about a board game to someone from Finland, I'm sure this would be the one that they would pick, as pretty much you can guarantee if a house in Finland's only got one board game, there's a good chance it will be African Tahiti. <laughs> Next we come to Russia. So Russia has quite a few games. Again, the majority of them are war-based. That being said, they have still got some really good game designers out there. We have Yuri Zharilov, who is originally from Ukraine. And I really thought I was going to struggle for Ukraine, so I thought I was going to have to put him in with Ukraine. But, as it turns out, Ukraine are actually quite healthy in this department. So, I was able to keep him in Russia where he moved to when he was six. He has designed many great games that include the likes of Viceroy, Space Explorers and Winter Queen. A particularly successful Russian game designer is Sergei Mashin, who started off designing a collectible card game called The War. In 2005, he also made Potion Making Practice, which became a Russian bestseller as well as the Russian Game of the Year. He also joined forces with Dmitry Nyor, and they came together to produce the very popular Evolution series of games, including Evolution Climate. Sergei also collaborated with Daniela Goronov to produce the Kingdoms of Crusades and Pirates of the Seven Seas. He also has a company called Right Games, LLC. Now, there are quite a few decent game titles that incorporate the theme of Russia. These include the likes of Twilight Struggle. I didn't really want a Cold War game, although it is an excellent game. You could have St. Petersburg, the Red Cathedral, Nyet, but I've opted for Russian Railroads. Russian Railroads is a brilliant worker placement game where players are competing in a race to build the largest and most advanced railway network. In order to do so, the players appoint their workers to complete various important tasks. The development of simple tracks will quickly bring the players to important places, while the modernisation of the railway network will improve the efficiency of their machinery. Newer locomotives cover greater distances and factories churn out improved technology. Engineers, when used effectively, can be the extra boost that an empire needs to race past the competition. The game is for 2-4 to four players, should take between 90-120 to 120 minutes and is recommended for ages 12+. plus. It was designed by Helmut Oli and Leonard Lonnie Orgler. It is most commonly published by Hans im Gluck or Z-Man Games. For me this seems to sum up what the Russian mentality is. It is a worker placement, and just like their football team, they're going to need their workers to produce as a team to have any chance of success. So that's Group A and B done. Next week we will be doing Groups C and D. Now, you probably heard me mention earlier that we were doing a little bit of a competition, and you heard correctly. So what we're aiming to do, we will be giving away the game that is represented by the winners of the Euros tournament. To enter, all you have to do is let me know either what team or what game you would like to win the competition. You can do this by emailing me at tabtopramble at gmail.com. 
going over to our Twitter page or leave a comment in the Discord channel. So that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We will be continuing on the Euro series next week where we'll be looking at groups C and D. If you've got any comments on the games that are picked or know some publishers and designers that are left out, then by all means let me know. You can email me at tabletopramble at gmail.com or it'd be great if you fancy joining us on our Discord channel where there'll be lots of banter going on. All the information about the games covered in today's show will be available on the website which is tabletopramble.com So until next week, make sure you stay safe, stay healthy and I'll speak to you then.